0: As we think back to history, a lot of the things that were taught to us in the school with regards to slavery has always been a focus on blacks being owned by white. What we don't talk about is the blacks who sold the blacks to the Europeans who actually brought our ancestors over to this country. What we don't talk about are the other peoples of the world who've actually been enslaved in history before. A lot of us know history where there was a group long ago who was actually enslaved for over 400 years. So today we're going to talk about free blacks who actually owned slaves. Now during this period of time in this country, there were actually 4 million blacks. And of that 4 million, about a quarter of a million of them were actually free. As we take the time to study who owns slaves relative to the size of the population in this country, be it black, white, or Native American, blacks own a larger percentage of slaves as it relates to the other races that were here. There's also evidence that blacks own white slaves. And then some free black people in this country bought slaves, and I'm not saying every black that were free actually owned slaves, but a, a large number did. Since nineteen, since 1654, continuing right through the Civil War, blacks owned slaves. Now, we can actually stop right there and just throw this in that the very first slave owner in this country was a black guy named Anthony Johnson. And if you don't believe me, look him up yourself. The very first slave owner in this country was a guy named Anthony Johnson. Now, as we review these numbers, it is too extensive of a list to include every black person that owned slaves. So for the sake of time, and the sake of you having to listen to me share this information, I'm only going to include everybody that owned 10 or more slaves. A lot of times those who own less than 10 were actually owning family members and it was a sign of benevolence so that they could keep the family intact. So I'll respect that. This is a compilation of various books, various study. I've had some folks tell me that most of these slave owners that we say were black don't count because they were Creole or mulattoes. And normally you find those uh, people With those labels coming out of Louisiana, you know, the French purchase and things like that. And I myself, before my mother married and my stepdad, my last name was a French last name. So we're going to keep that in mind as well. So when folks tell me that we can't claim this as being black, they're totally off the mark. Because these same folks are excited about our supposed first black president, who was also of mixed heritage. These same folks will, were excited about Tiger Woods being on top of the golf world. And Tiger Woods is of mixed heritage. Now, as a side note, when you want to educate yourself a little bit more, uh, go look up Thomas Jefferson, Andrew Jackson. Abraham Lincoln, Warren Harding, and Calvin Coolidge, who all had black fathers. Check on the White Eisenhower's parents. His mother was black. And if you want to figure out who the very first pre- pre- president of our Continental Congress was, look up a guy named John Hanson, who was a moor. And a moor is a population of people from northern Africa. So we cannot claim To have a black president while at the same time claiming that these slave owners were not black because of the Creole or mulatto label. Now, in the case of those in Louisiana, there's a lot of those, as I mentioned. You know, we had the French, the Louisiana purchase from the French and all that. So that goes hand in hand. There's a lot of mixed ancestry. So we'll start off with John Carruthers Stanley, who was born a slave in Craven County, North Carolina. He was the son of an Igbo mother, and Igbo is a actual uh, a tribe of people in southeastern Nigeria. They're still prevalent today. And her master, who was John Wright Stanley, he became an extraordinarily successful barber and speculator in real estate in New Bern. As Lawrence Winninger points out in Black Property Owners in the South, by the early 1820s, Stanley owned three plantations and 163 slaves and even hired three white overseers to manage his property. He fathered six children with a slave woman named Kitty, and he eventually freed them. Stanley actually lost his estate when a loan for $14,962 he had to co-sign with his white half brother, John, came due. After his brother's stroke, the loan was Stanley's sole responsibility, and he was unable to pay it. And see, the image that we're looking at on the screen right now, Black Masters, a free family of color in the Old South, is actually a book written by Michael Johnson and James Rourke. And it's talking about William Ellison and his family. Now, at the death of William Ellison on the eve of the Civil War, he was wealthier than nine out of ten white people in South Carolina. He was born in 1790 as a slave on a plantation in the Fairfield District of the state far country from Charleston in 1816 at the age of 26, he bought his own freedom and soon bought his wife and their child. In 1822, he opened his own cotton gin. Now see that that's a whole nother point right there. If we took the time to understand the real black history, we'll understand a lot of black folks actually owned business during the time that we were supposedly all enslaved. So black men were about business back then too. And, he, and Ellison became quite wealthy. By his death in 1860, he owned 900 acres of land and 63 slaves. Now this is a kick in the bucket right here. Not one of his slaves was ever allowed to purchase his or her own freedom. Now we're gonna move on over to Louisiana. By 1830 in Louisiana, several black people there owned a the large number of slaves including the following. In Point Coupe Parish alone, Sophie Delunde owned 38 slaves. Lafroy de Queer owned 59 slaves. Antoine de Queer owned 70 slaves. And, and the de Queers are actually some of my wife's ancestry. And as I mentioned, you know, this was never shared with her by anybody in her family. And, and down from the New Iberia Cade area in Louisiana, this is where they were from. Leandre Severin owned 60 slaves, and Victor Duperand owned 10. In St. John the Baptist Parish, Victor Deslandes owned 52 slaves, and in Plaquemine Brule, Bard Donato owned 75 slaves. In Bayou Tech, Martin Norman and his family in St. Martin Parish owned 89 slaves. In West baden Rouge Parish, Barrett Pollen owned 69 slaves. The Ricard family owned 27. Phil's NRA owned 30. Francis Gerard of Washita Paris, owned 33. And C.C. McCarty in the upper Suburbs of New Orleans, owned 32 slaves. Now, the 13 members of the Matoya family, led by N- Nicholas Augustin Matoya, collectively owned 215 slaves. Up in Natchitoches, Louisiana, you know, which I mentioned, you know, that's where my, side of the family is from on my mother's side. T. Sainland of Jefferson County owned 12 slaves, and J.B. Packett owned 11. The DuPlessis family collectively owned 30 slaves. Joseph Curiel of Point Coupe owned 40 slaves. Sarah Rock of Natchitoches owned 12, as well as Florentine Corner, who owned 16, and Charles Mollier Owned 10 slaves. V. Rilio owned 49 slaves in St. John's Baptist Parish. And C. Perrin and St. Dusan owned 38 slaves collectively. Laurent Malvo of Bellevue owned 18 slaves. In Bayou Mallet, Jean B. Guillory owned 18. And back over to Bayou Tech, Valerian Osand owned 27 slaves. Jean Le Sassier owned 19. Joseph Balky owned 18. Jeanne B. Moulion owned 52, and Jean Gallo owned 12. In Saint Mary, Filippo Boutet owned 10, and back to the upper suburbs of New Orleans, Louise de Vivier owned 17 slaves, Sunit Grand Mason owned 13, Cantrell de Forge owned 11, Missy Campan owned 10, Meet Volant owned 10, Pierre Roupon owned 13. Virginia Mangona on 10. Dersha Rhodes on 11. Genevieve Rigobert on 16. Rose Lenoir on 13. Desiree Athanase on 11. Daniel Duperrier on 10. Gabriel Mothalos on 11. Louise Vavant on 10. Yulele Mandeville on 13. M DuPai owned eleven, Constance Robert owned seventeen, Caroline Miller owned thirteen, Pierre Saint Amand owned seventeen, lord Piro owned thirteen, Wid Duvalon owned ten, and Cecil Marcow owned ten. Now we move on from Uh, to down in Iberville Paris, where Antoine Dupeclay and his wife, Claire Pollard, owned more than 70 slaves when they were married. According to Thomas Clark, by 1864, in the midst of the Civil War, they actually owned 100 slaves worth $94,700. Now, 1864... And their worth is $94,700. I haven't put the math figures to that, but it will be a substantial fee today. So it was very substantial back then. And if we go by the standards that money actually increases, well, doubles every 10 years, it's supposed to double every 10 years on everything except our salaries. <laughs> That's a whole lot of money. And during Reconstruction, he became the state's first black treasurer serving from 1868 to 1878. Now, Andrew Dernford was a sugar planter and a physician who owned the St. Rosalie Plantation, 33 miles south of New Orleans. And say 33 miles of New Orleans, so you're probably looking at somewhere like Morgan City, Thibodeau, Homer, somewhere around in there, uh, or headed that way at least. In the late 1820s, David O. Whitten tells us he paid seven thousand dollars for seven male slaves, five females, and two children. He traveled all the way to Virginia in the 1830s and purchased twenty-four or more. See, it was all about business. You know, it wasn't about people. It was about business and economics. Now, I never said it was right. You know, don't don't make that mistake. I never said it was right. I don't believe enslaving anybody is right, but. It was a system of economics. Eventually, Dernford would own 77 slaves. When a fellow Creole slave owner liberated 85 of his slaves and shipped them off to Liberia, Dernford commented that he couldn't do that because self-interest is too strongly rooted in the bosom of all that breathes the American atmosphere. See, that's another thing. You know, we complain about all the ills of America. But we American, when it's to our benefit, <laughs> the wealthiest black person in Charleston, South Carolina, in 1860 was Maria Weston, who owned 14 slaves and property valued at more than forty thousand dollars, at a time when the average white man earned about hundred dollars a year. That's amazing, isn't it? Now, even though she was a wealthy, she didn't own the most. The, she didn't own the largest amount of slaves. The city's largest slaveholders were a guy named Justice Angel and Mistress L. Hori, both of them owned 84 slaves each. In Savannah, Georgia, between 1823 and 1828, according to Betty Wood's gender, race, and rank in a revolutionary age, Hannah Leon owned nine slaves while the largest slave owner in 1860 was Cyprian Ricard, who had a sugarcane plantation in Louisiana, and owned 152 slaves with her son Pierre, many more than the 35 she owned in 1830. So we talk about 1860, to eight, from 1830 to 1860, in 1830 she had 35, in 1860 she had 152. So she wasn't looking to free anybody, her and her son. According to the economic historian Stanley Ingerman, in Charleston, South Carolina, about 42% of free blacks owned slaves in 1850, and about 64% of these slaveholders were women. Greed, G-R-E-E-D, in other words, was gender blind. (laughs) Carter G. Woodson also tells us that some of the husbands who purchased their spouses were not anxious to liberate their wives immediately. They considered it advisable to put them on probation for a few years. And if they did not find them satisfactory, they would sell their wives as other slaveholders disposed of Negroes. He then relates the example of a black man, a shoemaker in Charleston, South Carolina, who purchased his wife for $700. But on finding her hard to please, he sold her a few months thereafter for $750, gaining $50 by the transaction. Now from this point forward, I'm just gonna go ahead and mention a city or county and a state and the individual's name and how many slaves they actually owned. So in Clark County, Alabama, we have a guy named PT Harris who owned 24 slaves and David Monac who owned 27. In Mobile County, Alabama, Jane Seymour owned 10 slaves and Louisa Chastain owned 14. In the city of Mobile, Alabama, Bernadasse-Rosieste owned 14, and Madame Beauchamp owned 16. In Escambia County, Florida, Euphron Hennard owned 12. In St. John's County, Florida, Gabriel Perpaul owned 39 slaves. In Greene County, Georgia, Betsy Perry owned 25 slaves. In Anne Arundel County, Maryland, Richard Hallwood owned 39 slaves. M. Meade owned 17, Richard Chase owned 15, Henry Manidier owned 17, Phillips like leitner owned 11. In Second Collection District of Maryland, Pompey Preston owned 11. And in Calvert County, Maryland, Sarah Skinner owned 13. In Allen's Fresh District, Maryland, John Hungerford owned 39. In Kent County, Maryland, Lucy Boyer owned 10, and John Constable owned 13. In Adams County, Mississippi, George Wynn owned 16. In Hancock County, Mississippi, William Perkins owned 17. In Craven County, North Carolina, i will already mentioned that uh, we're back to uh, Stanley, but this is actually James Stanley, who had to be a relative, but he owned 10 slaves. In the town of New Bern, North Carolina, Donor Mumford owned 10. In Bladen County, North Carolina, Gooden Bowen owned forty-four slaves. In Martin County, North Carolina, John Pricklin owned twenty-four slaves. In Nash County, North Carolina, Humphrey Rebel owned fourteen slaves. In the town of Fayetteville, North Carolina, Charles Mallet owned thirty-six slaves. In New Hanover County, North Carolina, John Walker owned 44 slaves. In Beaufort County, South Carolina, Alexander Brown owned 15 slaves. In Christchurch, South Carolina, the Venning family owned 37 slaves, and John LaGuerre owned 12 slaves. In St. Stephen, South Carolina, Jenny Wilson owned 16. Uh, St. Thomas and St. Dennis, South Carolina, I'm pretty sure these counties overlap with one another. That's why they were actually included together. Uh, Robert Collins owned 11 slaves, Thomas Capers owned 11, and Daniel Warren owned 41. In the city of Charleston, Ward number one, South Carolina, Samuel Walker owned 24 slaves, Amaretta Best owned 12, Polidor Morrison owned 14, and Jane Mitchell owned 15. In the city of Charleston, Ward number two, South Carolina, Thomas Ingalls owned 11, Eleanor Cotton and Sarah Holmes each own 12. Sally Middleton owned 16. Kazar Wright owned 14. John C. owned 22. And Camilla Johnson owned 16. In the city of Charleston, ward number three of South Carolina, Edward Bateman owned 12. Martha Allen and Sandy Magwood owned 12. Mary Fenwick owned 11. Frank Crowley owned 13. Lydia Burney owned 41. Jane Drayton owned 17. Peggy Whitehart and Mary Watts owned 10. Elizabeth Henson owned 15. And Dolly Laguerre owned 14. In the city of Charleston, ward number four of South Carolina, Julietta Cantor owned 14. Angeline Smith. Thomas Cochran and Catherine Anderson, each owned 12 apiece. Ann Mitchell, Samuel McCall, and Sarah Shaw, each owned 10, and Mary Yeadon owned 11. In Charleston Neck, South Carolina, Susan Beesey owned 10, as well as Betty Robinson and Polly Brown, who each owned 10. Mary Wrighton and Mary Dees owned 12. Betty Inglesby owned 11, Anthony Deal, Peter Wall, Ann Wilson, Thomas Strobel, Cuffy Alston, Benjamin Dallas, all owned 13 slaves each. James Bell, Martha Jackson, Nancy Tucker, Will Pryor, Hager Johnston, Ann Williams, Martha Gilchrist, Flora Philbin, Diana Creighton, Jane Talley, Phoebe Cross, Nancy Tucker, and Reuben Small each owned 11 slaves. Rebecca Cortez, Eliza Franklin, Betsy McIntosh, Jeremiah Jones, John Garden, Peter Parlar, Thomas Cowan, Susan Laguerre, Jacob Edward, Mary Busby, Peggy Cripps, Mary Payne, Mary Ann Pope, Ann Bellmore, and Sylvia Wilson each owned 10 slaves. Joe Pole, Mary McReady, Elizabeth Lee, Rachel Glenn, Betty Rosenberg, A.W. Foster, Jane Matthews, and John Jerby each owned 14 slaves. In the round off, Charles the Next South Carolina, Hannah Solomon owned 20 slaves. Now we move over to St. James Goose Creek, South Carolina, where Charles Tennant owned 38 slaves and Henry Holmes and John Bell each owned 12. In St. Bartholomew's Parish of South Carolina, Margaret Stock owned 46 slaves and Ephraim Seabrook owned 44. In St. Paul's Parish, South Carolina, Jane Logan owned 16 and Daniel Postel owned 11. In Williamson County, Tennessee, Gamble Brooks owned 11. In Cumberland County, Virginia, William Daniel owned 32. In Gloucester County, Virginia, James Gregory owned 13. In Eastern District, Virginia, John Pierce owned 18. In Greensville County, Virginia, David Watkins owned 11. In Hanover County, Virginia, William Brockenbrough owned 46. In the city of Richmond, Virginia, Curtis Carter owned 22, and Philip Haxell owned 18. In the Isle of Wight County, Virginia, John and Suri Crump owned 11, Nathaniel Hawkins owned 11, and Benjamin O. Taylor owned 71. In New Kent County, Virginia, Thomas Hogarth owned 15, in Prince Edward County, Virginia, Thomas Morden owned 45. In Stafford County, Virginia, Abraham Howard owned 11. And Littleton Walker owned 28. So as we look at that list of black slave owners, that's a pretty extensive list. And a lot of that information has actually been hidden from us. Now, that that's not all of them. Those are actually the slave owners that actually lived on a property with the slaves. At a later date, I'll release another talk talking about the slaves, the slaveholders that actually are what we would consider absentee slave owners, which means, you know, they weren't living on a property and they had overseers and other folks to manage their property for. them. So we've learned something today I've learned as well because I've been searching for information for a long time because I want to get a true picture of history and I would hope you would too.